This is Greg Thomas from End, and you are listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The New Scene. This is Keith. And Tommy. And we're back with a very special, ready for this, Tommy? A very, very special 100th episode. I love it. Yes, 100 episodes. Now, folks, we started this thing and we didn't know. All right, I'm not going to do a whole thing. Look, look, we're very happy that we've made it to 100 episodes. We're very happy where the show is. And we are very happy to be celebrating with none other than Grady Allen of Anxious. Folks, Tommy, I think this is going to be one of, if not the top records of the year. I'm looking very forward to Little Greenhouse, and I'm looking very forward to speaking to Grady. I'm super excited in that I destroyed that single (laughs) when it came (laughs) out. Like That was one of the ones I really, I just went, I just kept going back to it. It's such a great song with great feeling, and I am really excited about that as a release. And we are very excited as well. 100 episodes, Tommy. 100 episodes. Started from the bottom, and now we're here. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. I think about it like this. Uh, This started as an idea. Then it moved into a hotel room. Then it went online. And now it's here. It's just, it's kind of crazy, the evolution of this thing. Like, it's its pretty neat, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm super happy. I'm super appreciative of you, Tommy, that we get to do this thing every week. It's something to look forward to. And it's something to look forward to every week. I'm just very happy about it overall. But on that note, not everybody is happy about it, Tommy. <laughs> oh, fuck your life. <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> now, well, let's throw one in for a uh, good measure. Fuck your life. Bing bong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, cool. now, now, let's let's be civil here. Now, not everybody is happy. Uh, we got our first criticism. Ooh, we're gonna read it on the air now. I was actually pretty excited because we've never gotten a message like this before, and this is our first. Now. A gentleman named Ian. I won't give out his Instagram. I don't want to be mean about this. Let's let's be nice about this. We're open to criticism, right, Tommy? Yeah, we ask for it for goodness sake. This is about this is the first time we've actually had someone listen to us. So go. Yes. Yeah, so Ian responded to one of our archive posts and he has it set so you can't reply to his reply. So that tells you everything you need to know right there. But I messaged him afterwards, and here's what Ian said. He said, I really wish I understand what you guys are doing with this podcast. You signed, in quotes, a podcast with a label. That's not a thing. Rename the podcast, and are now just re-releasing all the old episodes again under the new name, like their new episodes. I just don't get it, but you guys do you. Now, this com this comment is... Fr- <laughs> <laughs> the boy's quite astute. He is correct. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Here, I'm going to... I explained to him in a nice message 
what the deal is, and I'm going to explain it to everybody else too. Now, this message is phrased as if we are just re-releasing the old episodes and that's it, which is not the case. We are reposting some of the older episodes we've done because our audience has grown significantly since we signed the deal with Iodine. And yes, that is a thing that actually happened. Look, I got the contract right here. Hear that? That's it. We signed the deal. It's done. Our audience has grown. We continue to bring new episodes every week, sometimes two. And in addition, we are reposting some of the older episodes in case some of the newer listeners didn't hear them. So we're not, it's not a scam. It's not a, they're not even reposted. They're all there. They're, the episodes are just sitting there waiting for you to listen to them. Tommy, your thoughts? My real concern comes through, I think he misunderstood what we were doing. Yes. And I think by you messaging back and re, you know, kind of clearing up what that is makes it a little bit more understandable because I feel like this is what I thought he was saying was like, yo, so you repackage yourself and now you're just releasing your old shit and saying it's new. Is that what you got from it? I think that's what he meant. Yeah, I, that's what I got. Well, it, I mean, it's clearly we're still coming out with new episodes every week. Um, we're still continually recording and pushing ourselves to do better. And I think once he understood, like if you, your message cleared that up pretty well of like, no, we're not doing that. We're actually just doing, we're doing new episodes. We're just re-releasing some of the older ones that people may not have had the chance to see because maybe they just started following in the last month or two. Yeah. And we're not even re-releasing them. They're there. We're making a post to point out the old episode. Yeah. And and if you read the post, it says the new scene archives. Um, archives. All right. Well, yeah. So that takes care of that. But listen, we're happy to receive any criticism. Now, well, let me rephrase that. If you have valid criticism, send that to us. We don't want you to just start sending us criticism for fun because mm-hmm. we're, we're, very, we're very sensitive. <laughs> no, send the invalid shit to me. Yeah, send that all to Tommy. His email is uh, Tommy2Tone at... No, I'm I'm just making stuff up. I'm just making stuff up. But listen, 100 episodes. Did you think we were going to make it this far? To be honest with you, no. I I didn't see how far we were really going to take this. I don't think at any point in time I saw it going past, you know, maybe 10 or 20. Because remember, we really started this as call our friends or cold call people like literally d like dm people on instagram you're like hey we got a podcast you trying to talk like so i thought our i thought our luck was eventually going to run out with being able to book guests and um, it almost did a few times yeah i was gonna say there's a <laughs> there's a couple times it, it 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 got pretty damn close but i'm just so glad to be a part of this with you like i'm just so glad we have an outlet to be able to talk like this to maintain our friendship like this. And on top of that, like we just, I felt like I was kind of falling out of the scene. Yeah. Uh, Being a dad and, you know, working full time and, you know, my job changing all the time. I really felt like maybe I, 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 music wasn't something I was just going to really focus on anymore. Um, But now this has given me an opportunity to kind of one, force myself to be exposed to new music because you can only listen to Snapcase so many damn times in a row. Um, (laughs) And then on top of that, uh, I really like getting better at this. That's one of the things that I've struggled with is like, if you listen back to old episodes, I have a tendency to just talk 
and, and, <laughs> and not have a point. There's like an old <laughs> clip of, of Michael Scott from The Office where he's talking and he goes, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't even know how I'm going to finish it. Like there, that's me in the beginning. Cause I just thought we had like dead air was dead air. You got to fill it up. And it's like, no, this is all edited. It's all recorded. We can really take our time to kind of piece together what we want to talk about and make sure that you have something cohesive and, and lucid to say before you just start yammering. Yeah, it's a, it's a process. And I think about back in the day, we didn't even know what the show was going to be really. We, we wanted to do it only in person which is which is crazy. I always like to bring that up. Like, were we going to drive to North Carolina to talk to Josh? Yeah, that's just... like what I don't know what I was thinking. But as has been documented on the show, COVID pushed us online. I figured that out, and we became weekly, which neither of us expected. But uh, like you mentioned, Tommy, I'm glad that it worked out this way because we get to do this every single week. We get to create every single week. Just before the show, I was a little stressed. I was like, wait. I'm going to hang out with Tommy and talk to the vocalist of one of my favorite newer bands, Grady Allen of Anxious. I mean, wh- who could ask for a better Monday? They're playing with Knuckle Puck, too. Yes, I saw that tour announcement. Wow, what a tour. I, we're going to talk to him about that, too. And just a quick reminder, folks, follow us on everything. Subscribe to us on YouTube and search our page, The New Scene. Follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash The New Scene. Search us out on Facebook and follow the page, The New Scene. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at New Scene Pod. And we need some Apple Podcast reviews. Go into the podcast app, rate us five stars, leave a nice review. We'll read it on the air. And of course, support our sponsor, Iodine Recordings. Folks, last week I announced that Audio Karate and Ritual Earth pre-orders are up. It wasn't last week. It's actually this week. So please go and pre-order both of those albums. And you can check out Iodine at iodinerecords.com. So folks, strap in for episode 100, because right now we're going to talk to Grady Allen of Anxious. Enjoy. folks we're here now with grady allen grady welcome to the show hey thank you so much for having me yes we're very excited to have you on the show we are looking very much forward to little greenhouse and we're going to be talking about that but first grady i've got to ask how are you doing today i'm good i'm good i've uh i was in um was in the Hudson Valley earlier today, um, doing some shopping with my girlfriend and got back a little while ago and now I'm just hanging out at my house. Uh, I'm in sweatpants, so I'm about as 
I'm about as comfy as comfy gets. So I'm with it. That sounds good. Did yeah. you buy anything good? Um, I found this crazy, like old handmade peanuts quilt, like Charlie Brown. Um, yes. and, um, I'm a big, I'm a big peanuts head. So I did buy that. I love that. Yeah. The, you know, you know what I was reminded of, uh, from my past, Tommy, you might remember this. Do you remember the Pac-Man bed sheets? Oh yeah. No, for yeah, sure. I, I want to track those down and use them again as I approach 40 years old. <laughs> Dude, those, those, those old bed sheets are like awesome. They're like printed on bed sheets. Like I've seen Star Wars ones. I've seen the Pac-Man ones. They even did Peanuts ones, but they're all twin sized, which is the problem. You can't get like queen sized printed sheets and stuff, which sucks because I would totally get them. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because what kid has a queen bed? Yeah, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish I, I wish I had a twin bed for just so I could have those sheets. <laughs> <laughs> well, Grady, so where do you live? Where are you from? Uh, so I, I'm from Connecticut. I live in a small town called Darien. Nice. Where is that in terms of Connecticut? My my Connecticut geography is not where it needs to be. Yeah, sure. So it's a it's really really southern Connecticut. So I'm uh I'm like 50 55 minutes outside of New York City, like just under an hour. You grew up there as well? Um yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh I moved around a little bit when I was um really really young, but um right as I started middle school, uh, I landed in Connecticut and I've uh I've been here ever since. So it's kind of it's kind of what I've always called home. Tell us about your upbringing. Why were you moving around a lot when you were younger? Yeah, um it was just for uh my parents' jobs. They were they were moving around uh, a whole lot and it was just it was what what was required for for their work. So um yeah, just, just following them wherever they went. So once you settled in Connecticut, how was it? Was it like a typical suburban type of upbringing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um very very suburban lived in the same house for a really long time until um both i went off i went off to school and then my parents split so now um i'm uh split my time kind of between their two houses but yeah no really nice suburban life i i walked both to middle school and high school connecticut's pretty pretty so um no it was a great charmed little life i would say i i, I don't know <laughs> So tell us a bit about your music history. Have have you always loved music? When did you discover it? Set the scene for us a bit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would say I first gained interest in music when I was about 10 years old. And I just um, fell in love with guitar. I was really into like ACDC at the time. That was like my first like rock love, especially like Angus Young. And so I just like wanted to play guitar a ton. So I started playing guitar kind of the end of elementary school. Um, middle school, I discovered, uh, Blink-182 and like Green Day and stuff, which was my entrance, like into like, quote unquote, more alternative music. Um, and then, um, kind of around seventh grade, I really, you know, just totally fell into punk and hardcore stuff. Um, like my first, you know, I would say like true punk loves were like quintessential, like eighties stuff, like the misfits dead kennedys you know just true blue like punk stuff like adolescence like just i don't know the 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 essentials as far as like punk goes the classics uh, yeah 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 and then um 
kind of towards the end of seventh grade, eighth grade, I started discovering bands like Minor Threat in Seven Seconds and in Gorilla Biscuits, which, you know, are distinct. Well, I mean, Minor Threat and Seven Seconds especially are like distinctly punk bands. But then, you know, there's that transition into like hardcore and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, so I kind of really, really fell deep in hardcore. And it's kind of this <laughs> this place, uh, this chasm that I haven't really left. Um, but yeah, I kind of just, um, from eighth grade into beginning of high school, just kind of slowly worked, worked my way, like back up through history, like not, um, oh, this is not stuff that just exists purely in this time period of like 80 something to 90 something. It's like, oh, it's, it continues and it, you know, is still very relevant and, um, alive today. And like, that was really important as like a young high schooler. And then, yeah, from there, I like discovered more recent stuff and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it continues. It evolves. You know, there's different eras. It's always growing and changing. And yeah, I like that you kind of went through the classics in order. I wish I would have done that because when I got into hardcore, I got into like the craziest stuff at the time, which was Dillinger Escape Plan and Coalesce and Botch and all that. Okay. And I never looked back. I just went forward from there. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think I think a lot of kids, you know, start, you know, I, I think I think I'm probably in the minority that like I didn't discover relevant stuff and that was like my what I was really interested in and it was instead, you know, I I found myself on the classics not even necessarily because that's what like I gravitated towards it's because whatever was new and current, I was completely unaware of its existence. Yeah, Grady, you have the kind of the same trajectory I had, and I was lucky enough. I just had uh, an older, I, I had an older sibling who was really into like heavier music and kind of pushed me in that direction, and was like, "Here's some mixtapes," and I was like, "All right, cool." And the next thing you know, I'm out buying Dead Kennedy shirts and Minor Threat <laughs> stuff. So that's you know. cool. That's cool. I love that. I wish I always wish I I wish I had a sibling that like had pulled me into like the quote unquote subculture or anything like that. I always think it's very interesting when it's like, yeah, me and my sibling. Yeah. It was really funny. It's like, well, there's a big age gap between me. I have five sisters and there's a big age gap between me and my sister that got me into like punk and stuff like that. But it was really funny. It's like, I, whenever we talk about music, I'm like, yo, do you remember you gave me this? Do you remember you gave me that? Do you remember you let me listen to this? And my sister is like completely clueless. She's just like, no, I don't remember (laughs) any of that. I'm like, really? She's like, no, she's like, she's like, the only thing I do remember is I bought a quicksand CD and you stole it from me. And I was like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, no, that's 100% did that. So you're listening to the music. Do you, when did you first see some of these hardcore bands live? Do you have like a first show experience or something that really sold you on the whole deal? Yeah. So my first like punk, you know, sort of show or experience like that was I, I saw the, um, I saw the Misfits or whatever, you know, version of the Misfits you can call the Misfits. I, I saw them when I was in seventh grade with funnily enough, uh, Jamie Josta's like project was was opening. So some Connecticut connection there. Um, but um, yeah, no. So um, I was I thought that was fantastic. And I saw like a couple like punk related stuff throughout middle school. But it was my freshman year of high school. I went to my first like true hardcore show, which was um, I saw Bane, Backtrack, and Malfunction um, in uh, 
in New York City at uh, Webster Hall. It was one of Bane's like last shows, maybe their last like New York show. That's probably what it was. Um, and like it was just like my mind was blown. Like I literally had to pick it up off the floor. Uh, I just thought it was really incredible. I mean, it was um, I don't know, just a- every every part of it kind of resonated resonated with me um you know uh the energy um totally spoke to me the you know it's you know probably like a thing that's like not given enough like respect and tension but just like the aesthetic of it all and everything really spoke to me as a young person but just like the energy and the music and the like intimate space you know it, it happened in like a 350 cap room and it just it felt like I was distinctly like a part of something just by being at the show. And that like as a young person, I think is a really cool and can be a really formative feeling slash experience. Yeah. I love that because Bane was blowing up probably when we were closer to your age. And then you as a young man, see Bane and get sold on the whole deal. It's like a beautiful full circle thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's funny, like, it, w- it would have been, like, their, I mean, it was their last tour, like, pretty close to their last couple shows slash last show. I mean, they they were incredible. That 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 last Bane record, I actually think, is, is honestly one of their best. Some of my absolute favorite Bane songs are on that record. So, I mean, I think, I think that band uh, maintained a, a really st- strong discography even through the end of the, that band's lifespan, which I think uh, can be pretty rare. For any band, but can be especially rare for a, for a hardcore band. Right. And live, I mean, come on. They're just unbelievable. No, no, absolutely incredible. Unmatched for sure. So here's a question. How was being into hardcore and punk and all that stuff, what was your experience like in high school? Now, when I went to high school, it was a Catholic school. I think there was two kids into hardcore and punk and that kind of thing in the whole school that I knew of. And I was labeled a freak for even being into that kind of stuff. What was it like for you? I was the only kid that I knew that was into hardcore or anything like that. You know, you might on a rare occasion come across a kid who was into punk music by the way of like Green Day or something like that. I remember there was one girl, an older girl at my high school who was really into the Dead Milkmen. And as a oh, yeah. younger high school kid, I thought that was cool. but being into hardcore it was no one could understand it and everyone thought it was the stupidest shit that they had ever heard of and the biggest part for people to digest was um so i became straight edge or whatever when i was 13 which was eighth grade and then like through high school like it became like a super huge part of my life and like you know i'm into all these bands and I'm wearing these shirts that, you know, are plastered with like these anti-drug slogans and stuff like that. And kids just thought it was the stupidest, most bizarre thing they had ever seen. And so I would catch a lot of flack throughout high school, just like, just for kids, like just, I don't know. I don't know if it was thinking the decision in of itself was stupid, but this like desire to, to make it be such like an outward part of who I a- was slash am. I think that was like really weird for people. And I mean, especially, I mean, it's definitely true of my town, but I, probably the reality is it's, it's true for, for, for most 
you know, small suburban towns is, you know, hanging out with your friends and, and doing stuff with your friends is, was drinking and smoking weed and, and partying. And so like, that was, that was so deeply a part of the social DNA within um, my school and within my, you know, peers there that it was just like, it just, it didn't, it didn't resonate with anybody. It was just always, man, that's really, (laughs) that's really stupid and cringy that you were doing that. Yeah. That was my experience too. Like there was this guy, I remember who I talked to in high school sometimes. And then I came, it was like, wear your own clothes to school day. Cause we had uniforms and I came in in a Dillinger escape plan shirt. And he's like, what is that? You're a geek, dude. You're a geek. And he never talked to me again. I mean, I think it's, it's stories like that. Why? Like, I think schools and institutions like make the argument for uniforms. Is it like flattens out the playing field? You know, like there's, <laughs> there's no, there's no social dynamics being played on like clothes and what you're wearing so exactly so from then on i just went like you would have to pay money to wear your own clothes so i would always just be like oh i forgot and just wear the uniform to not have to deal with anybody's shit oh man dude they broke you one dillinger dillinger escape plan that's all it took well listen you know i i wasn't built like steel back then like i am now you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah no no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding (laughs) Well, so you're in high school, you're you're discovering hardcore, you're playing guitar. How did you decide you wanted to start playing music and when did you do that? Well, um I mean another, you know, cool part about punk and hardcore and why I think it's like so many young people gravitate towards it is there's very much this ethos of like it's yours, you can do it, you know, this is like a space that not only you can occupy, but like you can create in and succeed at. So as like a young person, it was like, wow, like I could totally do this. You know, I could, you know, all this awesome stuff that I'm seeing, like I could totally do this too. Um, So, you know, end of middle school, you know, I really wanted to like start a band and, you know, do a band seriously. Um, And so, you know, the, the problem is, it's hard enough at 13, 14 to find people who, um, you know, play music. It's even harder to find people who are into the music that you're into. Um, but, you know, kind of halfway, you know, kind of midway through my freshman year, I just found two other kids who were, you know, kind of vaguely into like punk and like just guitar music in the way that I was. And, and that became you know, the, the earliest version of, uh, of anxious was that. So what, what were some of the, uh, middle ground bands that you, that you could agree upon? I'm trying to think. I haven't, I, it's a good question. I haven't thought about that in a long time. I remember as far as new bands, we were all really into that band Nightbirds, um, New Jersey band, um, who they just toured around a bunch. So you could see them a lot. And it was like, it was surfy, it was punky, but it was like, definitely hardcore so that that band was really cool to us i mean like i don't know we were all like into like operation ivy and like green day and stuff like that um i was kind of the only one who was like no i'm like a lot more into like hardcore i mean and that i mean that version of anxious maybe only existed for a little less than a year and then like it slowly started like the lineup started shifting in a in a way that was like more yeah, these are kids who quote unquote get it. 
So how did you find people more into what you were doing? Yeah. Um, so our first drummer, who is now actually our guitarist, he just made an instrument shift. I knew him. We were just childhood friends, but it was he went to a different school because he lived two towns over. But like I had heard just from people that like I had known from like school and kind of just kids from outside of school, just like, yeah, you should talk to Dante. He's, you know, he's into a lot of the same music that you're into. I think you guys should be in a band together. So, um, you know, started talking, hang out with Dante and he, he just joined the band. It was an obvious fit. Um, you know, and he was into like a lot more of like the same things that I was into. Um, and then, kind of that version of the band just started playing out a bunch. And then um, we linked up with like um, our friends in the band one step closer, just because I booked them in my town one time. And then we just started playing shows together. And then their singer, Ryan started playing guitar in, uh, in anxious and, and um, has for like forever now. Um, and then we found our current drummer just through like going to shows in Connecticut. It was just like, yeah, I think Dante wants to start playing guitar now. And it was cool. Well, I would love to play drums. And that's that's how Johnny joined the band. And then our current bass player um, is just like a kid that I've I've known. I mean, I guess the story is our, we did a short tour with um, his band, Full Color Dream. And then just shortly before we, we started tracking um, our new LP, we asked him if he would uh, want to be in the band. And he said, yeah. And here we are now. That's a very that was a very convoluted, vague, and um, <laughs> weird history that I just gave you. Um, feel free to ask for any more details because that that was a very overarching like five year period I just gave you. Well, it's it's good to know how all the pieces came together and how you meet everybody. I'm always curious about that kind of stuff because I I just wanted to put a band together so bad when I was a kid, but I just I just never seemed to be able to do it. So I'm always fascinated by how people bring it all together, especially being as young as you were in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, I think it, you know, I think you can understand why like a lot less kids these days, these days start bands and instead choose to make music on their own, be it, you know, through like SoundCloud rapping, whatever, or like, you know, just, just making music completely on their own. It's just cause it, it, re- it's a lot easier. It's just a lot easier to just make music on your own. But, you know, it was very rewarding as like a young person to like put like a group of people together and like work on a song together. I don't know. I just, I think it was pretty cool and informative just like as a, I don't know. It was, it was cool informative in the way of, um, I don't know. You just learn a lot of like, it sounds corny, but teamwork exercises and just like, I don't know. It's just an exercise in collaboration and creativity. And just that as a young person was like very rewarding, I think. Absolutely. I think that's where it's at because you learn how to deal with people. You learn how to write together. You get better at your instruments. You get better at the whole business angle because you're out there booking shows and all this stuff. It really teaches you a lot. Yeah, no, I think I think it I think it absolutely does. That's an interesting point though. Yeah, because at least I mean when Tommy and I were younger, you don't have software like you are like you have today. Like today you could literally just go download a beat off of YouTube and 
perform over it. You don't really need people anymore like you did back when we were younger. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, with the rise of, like, A, the internet, but also, like, recording software and, like, music editing software, just just everything. It's just, it's never been easier to create music completely on your own. And so, I mean, I think that's, I think that's why a lot of like young kids gravitate towards that. It's just, I don't, I don't need to talk to anybody. I don't have to have any arguments with anybody about what the song is going to sound like or something like it's, it's just something, you know, I work on and like, I don't need to feel self-conscious about you know, my skill level or talent level or anything like that, just because, you know, it's, um, it's just me. It's just me in my room. And so I think that is why a lot of younger kids gravitate towards that. Exactly. That's why I started doing a podcast to not have to deal with anybody anymore. <laughs> now I just deal with Tommy. I was going to say, you just still have to deal with me. <laughs> depending on how, like I was going to say, depending on how much you want to actually deal with me that day. <laughs> Well, all right, so we've got Anxious together. Now, Anxious has matured a lot in sound from the first release to where we are now in Little Greenhouse. Did your influences change throughout the life of the band, or are the core influences still there? Yeah, I mean, I think core stuff is still there. I think those early recordings are incredibly embarrassing. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> uh, um yeah, no, I mean, at the earliest point of the band, it was we wanted to create really like just emotive, like emo, melodic, hardcore stuff. I mean, the influences were stuff like Embrace, Rites of Spring, but then a lot of like mid 90s, like emotive, hardcore, like Far Side and Texas is the Reason, um, and Sam I Am, and, and, and stuff like that. And, um, and those bands are still very much the blueprint, but I think definitely as the lineup of the band has changed, but also as like everyone has, I don't know, just explored more. It's the the influences have gotten more more eclectic. I think for me personally, I'm the one pulling from those plot points the most. For me, it's very much like if someone said, what are you pulling for anxious? It's, I would say it's a lot of that, that mid 90s emotive hardcore stuff but um i mean on this new record there was a lot of pulling stuff from just all over the place i mean um we're we were listening to a lot of blink 182 and we were listening to a lot of like band of horses and japanese house and i mean dante was you know pulling harmony ideas and melodies from you know beach boys and stuff like that so it's it's kind of all over the place as far as inspiration stuff inspiration and stuff but at its core i would argue that it's it's still very much the same you know the 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 foundation at its base is is still very much the same yes and i love that you're pulling from a lot of different types of influences and not just newer stuff but older stuff as well i'm impressed that you're going back to embrace and rights of spring because you know when i was putting bands together i'm just like i want to sound like texas is the reason Boom, done. Yeah. But you're you're going you're pulling from the older stuff, the not as older stuff, Beach Boys, like all different kinds of stuff. And I think when you mix together a big group of sounds from different influences like that, that's when the most interesting things happen. Yeah, no, I think I I think so too. I mean, um, you know, we um especially with this new record, we definitely were 
not trying to just replicate or try to like capture one specific type of sound. You know, I think it's very easy for a band to fall into like, oh, they're like doing that style worship or doing like, or just trying, just trying to be that one thing. And, you know, our goal, you know, recently is, is to just try to be as eclectic as possible in um, influence in the hope that that creates something that is just completely us. You know, it's the, the collective sum of everything creates something that is, you know, it's not anything. It's just us. Yeah, well, I think you're definitely accomplishing that based on what I've heard so far. And I'm going to get there. But so your band is together. You're playing. When do you notice things starting to come together and starting to lock in and people starting to take notice? That's a tough question. I, I, I would say that it felt like people were paying attention and, and cared kind of after we released our first seven inch. Never better. Um, I think we had people rooting for us prior to that. I mean, um, you know, we did our first full U.S. tour with One Step Closer before that even before that seven inch even came out. Um, and um, and we only had like a promo tape out on um triple b but um i would i would say that um the moment it, it it felt like people cared and were interested after we put out that seven inch and i think it's great that uh it sounds like you had label support and support from other friends bands early on i mean you're you have a promo tape out and you're doing a u.s tour with one step closer that sounds pretty fucking awesome to me yeah i mean it's I think in the earliest stages of bands, I mean, I think friends supporting you is, is, uh, is really important. And, um, you know, that was definitely the case. We just, um, we're very lucky to just have, um, a bunch of friends that, you know, wanted to support us in the way that we were supporting them. And it was just, um, I don't know. It was just definitely, uh, I don't know, even, even before anyone maybe outside, our state or our even our friend group really cared. I mean, it was it was just always important to have friends who who felt invested and, and believed in us, and and that's always really cool. Little Greenhouse, which comes out January twenty first on Run for Cover Records. Now, I've heard all the singles for this album, and and I'm I'm going to make a bold statement here. I think this is going to be one of, if not the best albums of the year. What do you think of that? What do I think of that? Yes. I think you're being very, very generous and kind is what I think of that. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm I'm very flattered that that you would say that. Thank you. I, I will say this, Grady, when uh, Keith was the one that turned me on to you guys, when he sent me uh, the single for uh, Call From You, I ran it into the ground. That was one <laughs> of those ones constantly. I put it on every playlist. I would constantly go back to it and be like, it's such a great like there's two really super good riffs in there but just everything that goes along with the vocal patterns it's just it's a really well crafted song smartly done and on top of that it is just catchy as fuck man really just great songwriting dude dude thank you so much i i was i was really stoked for that song to come out um i mean so the story the story of uh, of that of that song coming out is um you know, we knew that we were going to announce um, a sign to run for cover, but we weren't sure if we were going to do anything with it. It was too, it was like too early to like 
okay, let's do a single and a music video for like to begin the quote unquote like album cycle because the album wasn't going to get announced right away. But they're like, well, why don't you just choose like a song from the B side of the record that like you like and would want to be released? And it was like, uh, and so we, we chose call from you and we weren't, we weren't sure exactly how that song was going to be received, but it's, it's been super flattering and awesome to hear like people be like, Oh yeah, no, that song's amazing. Cause you're like, Oh, okay. We kind of just randomly chose it and weren't sure if like, people were going to like it at all. So, Yeah, you're welcome. Here's the other thing. When you play it on Spotify, there's the video that plays in the background is you guys assembling a puzzle of the yeah. album artwork. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, are you guys are you, you guys big puzzle people? Or is it just like that was just something you guys chose as like a, an aesthetic? Um, Dante's family are big puzzle people. Um, my My family is actually pretty big, are pretty big puzzle people, but I'm probably the least big of them all. I'm puzzled. <laughs> we, we, I just only bring it up because my daughters are like obsessed with puzzles now. So that's we, like three of my Christmas gifts this year were puzzles that we're going to do together. So Oh, that's awesome. Uh, when I saw that in the background, I was like, I got to ask him about it. Dude, we're, we're puzzle core. <laughs> <laughs> how, wh- how did you come up with the idea for the video? I made up a whole story about how it came about. And you tell me if I'm right. Okay. We're thinking pandemic, uh, so we're putting together a puzzle to pass the time, and the puzzle happened to be this little green house, and okay, that's going to be the name for the album. How close am I? Okay, okay. How close are you? Are are you assuming that that's the concept of the video, or that's something that happened in real life, and then we chose to name the record that? The second one. Okay. Um. No. Not, not, <laughs> <laughs> not very close, then. Um. I'll get okay. I'll I'll answer the first part, and then I'll I'll answer what, how we landed on that idea for the video. Um, um, the name of the little greenhouse is um just I wrote almost all the lyrics for the record at my mom's house um in Darien, um and the how the house was green um and so it was just like kind of a statement on like you know kind of everything within this record like existed and like came to be like within the confines of like this house. So like we'll call it that. To answer your question about the the concept, how did we how did we come up with that um, video concept? Um, so anxious, you know, until until pretty recently, because our bass player just finally moved out here. But um, um, three of us, me, Johnny, and Dante, um, all lived in Connecticut. But our guitar guitarist Ryan lived in lives in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and our uh, bass player lived in Minneapolis, and so when it came to the video, the idea was how do we make a video that doesn't require everybody in the band to be in it? And, you know, you don't have to see everyone's face and yada, yada, yada. So we're like, what do we like just make a puzzle? And it's like everybody's like hands or something. And so the puzzle just seemed like an easy way to like, I don't know, just make a video that like, it wasn't like the band per se. That's a good idea. Yeah, because then you don't have to worry about everybody like, oh, that dude's in the band now or that guy's not there. It's just it's just people's hands doing some work. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. It was just I mean, it, there was there was there was nothing but like just an image. You know, it was it wasn't even so much like when we were putting it together and when we were talking to run for cover about it, it wasn't we're making a music video. The term always thrown around was we're creating a visual component to go with. So 
So, you know, everyone says nice music video. I go, mm, no, you're wrong. It's not a music video. It's a visual component. <laughs> yeah, it's a very nuanced thing. Well, I read that the album came about because of COVID. Like you were so busy touring that you didn't have time to write a record. But then COVID hits, the music industry dies, and now you actually have time to sit down and write the record. Is that Am I on point with that? So... Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 um it's a very, you know, COVID overwhelmingly is completely negative. And, you know, I and I mean I'm talking purely within the context of of um, you know, music and bands and touring and all that. You know, it in a lot of ways it kind of shuts off a bunch of bands, but um it kind of afforded us this unique opportunity where we were, you know, now able to write. A bunch you know we had kind of this uninterrupted time with nothing on the schedule nothing to do it was just kind of well we can just write a bunch um so you know we took better part of three four months and just sat down and totally wrote this record and then you know the whole recording process and all of it it was able to happen kind of in this languid easy way that like i think a lot of bands don't experience because you know there's the pressure well we have to write, but, you know, we have to get on the road and, and tour and, you know, do all these other things. And so, you know, there was no expectations from any band because, you know, there wasn't even this like, yeah, like we're going to tour a little bit, you know, but they're still navigating things. It was just the world was shut off everything. You couldn't do anything. And so it was, although it was like unfortunate and annoying and a pain and that like we weren't able to tour or do anything like that. It was like, cool, now we have this totally uninterrupted time to just do this thing. Yeah, and I think it's, that is great that we got the record out of it. And it's also, I think it's also great that, you know, usually a band, you're in a unique position. It's like, oh, we're so busy being a band and touring, we don't have time to write a record. Most bands are like, hey, we can't get a tour, I guess we'll just write another record. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, I guess it's, I don't know. Both both are both are valid problems. Not not being not being able to tour and not being able to write. They're both uh both definitely banned vices. Yeah. No. I mean. I don't know. It was like I said. You know. Like it was so overwhelmingly negative and like you know within the context of bands. I think you know almost everybody kind of shudders when they talk about it. It's like COVID. <laughs> but you know, for us. <laughs> at least the first year of it, I probably could have done without without the like almost second year of it. But the first year of it, it was kind of this like unique asset where it was like, okay, well, you know, we can kind of write and there's like no expectation to like, well, you guys need to be touring a bunch or something like that. I read that you had to re-record all the vocals for the album after it was done. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we recorded we we recorded the the whole record over to two, over a two week period um, in July, and um, we rec- we recorded at Silver Bullet Studios, who is uh which is Greg Thomas's studio, who I think you've had on the show before. Am I right? Yes, we we have recently had both Greg and, and, and Chris, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> on the show. Legendary Chris, Chris. We yes. so we, so we didn't record with Greg. I just. I, I didn't know Chris had been on the show. I'd known Greg had oh, been yeah. on the show. 
Chris, yeah, we uh, we spent a lot of time with with Mr. Teddy. But yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, to answer your question, uh, we can talk more about Chris later. Um, yes. Yeah. So we recorded over uh, over a two week period. It was almost exactly two weeks. I think it was like 12 days in total. And, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot of time. And, you know, you can knock out a, a lot of instruments in that time. But, um, you know, vocals are interesting because, you know, you can totally exhaust yourself. It's not like, you know, like a guitar part or something where it's like, oh, man, I'm really not getting this. I'm just going to sit on it for like five minutes and then I can come back to it. You know, it's you might with vocals, you might really, really try for a part and you like totally blow your voice out. And it's like, well, now we can't do anything with it. Um, but but anyway, so we we um, we recorded over these this two week period and, and over maybe two or three times I blew my voice out. And um, when we, you know, a couple months later, when we got the, you know, earliest like mixes and stuff like that, it was like, oh, oh, my God, like we have to like go back and like totally redo this because <laughs> it sounded rough. Like it, like it was, there was no version of like this passes. It was just, Oh man, this is pretty rough. So the, in September, yeah, probably late September, I went back in for like five days straight and, um, just did all of my vocals over top to bottom. And then you nailed it that second time. <laughs> yeah. And well, you know, the, the second time, so, I mean, we were able to be a lot more meticulous because you were able, you know, you were able to pick and choose like, okay, um, you're feeling like you got a lot of energy. Let's, let's hit these hard songs and then like, we'll do some soft songs versus, you know, while we were recording the record, we were kind of doing the vocals as we did the songs. And, you know, you might, you know, it might be, well, these the three song the only three songs that we can record vocals for are these like super intense songs and so you're going to totally burn yourself out as opposed to like when the whole recording them when the whole body work was done it was just like okay we can like pick and choose our battles today yeah and what you said about vocals is very true i've i've recorded vocals once in my life for my last band and you just don't know what you're going to get like you might be off one day you might be, uh, you might, your voice might be blown out another day. You just gotta, you gotta work with what you have. No, uh, 100%. I mean, there's just, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's like any instrument or anything. Like some days you have it and some days you just don't, but it's weirdly and unfortunately unique. And like the days that it's like bad, like there's, there there's no overcoming it and there's no like doctoring the product it's just like not great well grady from what i've heard so far i think you nailed it i mean we ran call from you into the ground like tommy said what do you think of that dude i i mean i i'm uh i think the second time around we 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 did it we did it right Dra drastic improvement second time's the charm so uh i i'm glad i'm glad it's i'm glad it's translated and uh there are songs to run into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. So, uh, so yes, you recorded with the legendary Chris Teddy at the legendary Silver Bullet Studios. Now, we had Chris on the show recently we're actually i think we're talking to everybody in connecticut including you now grady is, too which is good <laughs> this has been quite a quick connecticut run so how was it recording with chris at the studio 
Uh, it was really great. It was really great. Chris is is such a funny, fun, interesting guy. Um, and he's also, I don't know, what I like about Chris is um, he's like a total pro, you know? Like, it's, you know, he's very meticulous, very thorough, but not in this, like, bland, not, like, unhuman way that makes you feel self-conscious. He's just very soft-spoken and, like, sweet and very funny but like also very thorough in like the way of like no we're just gonna keep doing this until like it's right or it's good or until everyone's happy with it and you know it's 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 uh not just like sound engineers like anybody especially in music it's like it can be hard to like have both of those it's either one or the other um but uh um chris is like the perfect middle ground between them so it, it was great working with Chris. That's great. It's, uh, you know, we had Greg on recently too, and he said when they take on a band to record, you know, one of the requirements is that is that they're passionate about what they're doing. They have to really care about what they're doing and just be in it, be in the process. And it sounds like working with Chris, you know, he could talk to you like you're a person and probably was interested in what you're doing. And I imagine that makes the experience much better than just some guy being behind the console and being like, all right, do it one more time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it was, it was clear. Chris was invested and had thoughts and ideas, but, um, you know, clearly recognized it was our record. It was our, you know, product, whatever. And was like, you know, just totally willing to like do whatever to make it, make us, you know, happy with it. I don't know. It, it, the perfect ground between like interjecting like his own ideas and opinion and also like wanting to help us see our total complete like vision through. So did he have uh, production ideas as well? Would he be like, Oh, maybe lose that part or change this. And were you receptive to some of that? Yeah. Um, maybe a, a little bit, I was going to say passive, but that kind of insinuates like not caring or something, but it's not, not, not that at all. Just in a, um, was always willing to give his input, ideas, thoughts, advice, but there was never any, all right, fellas, so been jamming the track a bunch. Here's what we need to get rid of. Here's what we need to like <laughs> keep. It was just, I don't know, just very, very relaxed. But but yeah, yeah, he, he did give, he did, did give input. Yeah, it sounds like a nice setup over there. I haven't been there, but what they described in the studio, it just sounds like a, a good atmosphere to be putting a record together. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's um, it's in Farmington, which is a super super woodsy, you know, kind of rural part of Connecticut. The studio itself is like covered in like horror movie and slasher like memorabilia and like ephemera and stuff like that. So it's like, sp- it's it's like spooky or whatever, but it's cool. <laughs> um, but it's you know it i don't know it's a it's a, just a very warm cool atmosphere where everyone can relax and unwind but also like you can just really sit down and 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 get creative so you've got this record coming out soon uh-huh. how do you feel are you excited are you brimming with anticipation set the stage for us a bit it's surreal in weird but super exciting um i mean so i mean we were just talking about recording the record that was two summers ago you know that was a long long time ago when we recorded um you know i was um whoa was i 19 when we recorded that 
wow, yeah, I was 19 when we recorded it. And now I'm a whopping old 21. <laughs> no, <laughs> wow. no, no, just, I don't know. I guess that is just, it's just to say that it's, we it's it's something that we've been sitting with for a long time and and working on for a long time and you know picking over and being very meticulous about for a really long time so i'm a really excited to to just take our you know to be at this point where like our hands are off you know it's it's off of us at this point it's just um i'm just i i'm i'm excited for it to come out and for you know, people to hear it and hear this thing that we've been working on for almost two years. And I don't know, I'm excited to look at, look at it as this thing that like we put out and not this thing that we're like constantly working on instead. Yeah. And that's a long time to sit on a record. If I was 19 years old and I had to sit on a record for a year and a half, I would explode. (laughs) Dude, I think it's a long time for anybody. I mean, dude, it, it, if you had told me, when we cut that, you know, that last take, that last thing, like even like two months later when I like came back in and did my vocals, if you had said, yeah, it's going to come out in two years from now, I would have gone, what, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you know, every, like I being in the moment now, it's like, yeah, no, it feels about right. But like, if you had told me, you know, as we were laying those final touches down that like, cool, great job, everybody. So in two years, this will be perfect. It's just like, wow, wow. That's a big, big, long undertaking. So a lot of times I talk to people and it's uh, sometimes it'll be looking back. I'll say, where were you at that time? What were you thinking at that time? But you're, you're in that time right now. You're 21 years old. You've got an amazing record coming out. What do you envision for the future for yourself and the band, what do you hope to accomplish? Have you thought about any of that? I feel super fortunate in the way that um, a lot of dreams and plans for the band we're kind of getting to achieve right now. You know, we, we've gotten to, to tour the United States a bunch. Um, we've gotten to play with some, some bands that, you know, a lot, a, lot, I, a lot of bands, not some bands, a lot of bands that we look up to and, and even, you know, been fortunate enough to, to play with some bands that have been a deep inspiration for us. And so that's been really cool. You know, I would say that the record in of itself coming out on run for cover has been like a goal in like a, like dream come true. You know, like that's, you know, ever since I was, you know, 15, 16, it was like, that's the label, you know, like, I can't imagine like what it must be like to have a record coming out on, um, on a run for cover. So it, it never stops being a crazy, like, Oh my God moment, you know, working with the team at run for cover and all those people, you know, I think we're going to get to go to get to go to Europe this summer, hopefully, you know, with whatever state the world is in. And that will be crazy i don't know the idea at all of like i'm not driving to play my show i'm hopping on a plane to like play my show or whatever that's like what like yeah you know it could be the most you could be i could be flying across the ocean and like two people could come to the show and i could still be like yeah i'm just a rock star this is just my life (laughs) so so um i don't know i'm i'm excited for that my biggest, if anybody asked, what's your biggest goal, ambition, anything, it's not 
playing on TV or playing a big festival or a big tour like that. It's at this particular moment in time, all I care about is that we put this record out and I just want people to like it. And anything that comes out of that, be it any of those things or whatever, that's completely secondary. It's just, I want to put out a record. People can be as enthusiastic as we are about it. That's a beautiful thing. And it looks like people are very enthusiastic about it. I've watched a lot of live footage of you guys and people are way into it. And it has the spirit of a hardcore show, which I absolutely love. Yeah, no, it's, um, we just did in November, we did, um, we did a full U.S. Uh, with a great band called, called Koyo, you know, going into it, we were a little bit nervous, um, you know, just in the way of, we weren't sure if it was going to be, yeah, like our sets will be cool, but only because we'll play like our older songs and that will be like what people are into. I mean, it was just when we were playing shows, like it was very clear, like, oh, wow, like these new, these newer songs are hitting too. Um, and that was, that was super, super important. And kind of, kind of one of our greater anxieties was kind of like quelled by that. It was just, it's, it's, it's working. You know, what, what we're making is, is it's, it's working. So you used to play guitar and sing for the album and now you're just the sole vocalist. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I stopped, um, everything prior to our first seven inch, I like played guitar and like sing on, but like ever since we put out like our first real release, like I've always just been the singer. That's the way to do it. You don't have to lug any equipment around, right? When you, when you became just the vocalist, did you say I'm not carrying any more equipment out of the band? I'm done. <laughs> I might've said that, but my bandmates made sure that that was not the that, that, that was not the case. Um, I, I will say it's, it's awesome though. It it was the sort of thing where I was like, cool. I never, ever, ever want to, I, I certainly don't want to play guitar in a band anymore. I definitely never want to play guitar and sing anymore. Like, so I will never, ever, 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 ever do that again. Like it just simplifies everything. You can have so much more fun. You can focus so much more on like performing as like a vocalist or a singer or whatever, when, you know, you're not also having to worry about playing the right notes and stuff. Yeah, it's hard to play and sing at the same time. No, dude, it, it definitely is. You know, I I applaud, you know, anybody that that A can do it and and and, and enjoys doing it because um to me it was just always stressful. Yeah. Uh, like props to anyone who can play leads and sing at the same time or like look yeah. at like Caven, Steven Brodsky can play those riffs and scream and sing at the same time. Like how? I can I can play a rhythm and sing at the same time, but that's about it. You do no, like literally playing rhythm is hard enough, you know, like playing like crazy leads and stuff over it. That's insane. Insane. That's this is like one of those things that whenever I see someone play and sing guitar, I always play guitar and sing at the same time. I always think of have you ever seen uh Prince's performance at the Super Bowl? Yes. Yes. That's what I always think of. Is like if anybody ever complains about playing and singing at the same time, I go, just watch Prince. Dude fucking shreds and sings at the same time. And you're like, how yeah. the fuck is this? This guy's like, he's like sweep picking. He's like literally tapping, sweeping, uh, string, uh, string skipping, everything. And he's fucking playing at the same time. You're like, what an amazing performer. That is just, I, that's one of those things where I have such a, uh, an appreciation for someone that can do both because I've tried to do both and it just doesn't work. It's like the, <laughs> you know, uh, like, you know, 
walk and chew gum at the same time. I just can't do it. It's just my brain doesn't work like that. It's either either the one works or the other doesn't. Like, but yeah, I I, I have a total appreciation for like you know you struggling through that and trying it is just awesome. But at the same time, <laughs> con- congratulations that you just have to sing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, ab- absolutely. I mean, it's I don't know. Like I said, like I just I never 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 want to play guitar and, and sing in a band ever again do you write for the band still like do you write any music oh yeah 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 um yeah i uh we we all we all write for the band but yeah i uh even though i'm not ripping on guitar i'm still i'm i still i still play a bunch of guitar and i i'm i'm i write a bunch with the band favorite blink 182 album go it's untitled it's on the untitled record is is the record it's i don't know it's phenomenal on so many levels it's um so many people love blink 182 in the lane of like dick jokes and fart jokes and stuff like that but you know that record shows that that band can get deeply serious and introspective and can do it so well and you know it, it it means something it's they've got something to say i mean beyond that i think one of the um biggest like coolest parts of that you know record is it's 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 not blink trying to be anything or do any sound or anything it's just to me that record is like blink realizing a who they were and who they wanted to become and like it's this just like totally unashamed showing of self which is just it is it is it's not it's just Blink-182. It's just who they are. Um, and I think that energy is, um, you know, I think if you talk to anyone in Anxious and said, talk about the, like, untitled record, they'd be like, yeah, no, it's t- it's it's totally the blueprint of, like, what of what we're trying to do, of just, like, not trying to be anything, not trying to, like, capture and, like, mimic a certain type of sound, just unashamedly being you. That's a great description because... Yeah, like Blink didn't try to change their sound or they didn't become a new genre. I think they just became fully realized as who they were, like you just described. Yeah, I mean it's um I mean, I don't know. I also like I also think I also think Blink-182 is is dick joke dick jokes and and fart jokes and jokes about your mom and stuff. Like I think they are are also that, but I mean I think it was you know, that record was, it was, and and is like a real, like, no, no, like we're not doing anything for anyone or trying to put on this, this image, you know, it's just us. And, and if, if I can, if I can go on this tangent for just a little bit longer, just cause if you yes, can't please. already, I, lo- I love talking about this band. Um, there's a bunch of interviews with Mark Hoppus and it's actually included as, um, like the introduction to like the, deluxe edition of um take off your pants and jacket was just on that record they felt like they their arm was being twisted to like no like by by like labels and by the label and by the producers to no you guys need to churn out that catchy summertime pop song that can like be on the radio for a bunch of weeks and like be this thing and you know mark talks about how deeply frustrating that was so you know, I think the follow-up record, Untitled, is like the perfect, like, we broke out of that and just created our thing. Yeah, and you know what's funny is the Take Off Your Pants and Jacket record, I loved that record minus the two singles, 
and I read that they were done the album, but the label came back and said, we need singles. Give us singles. So they wrote the stupidest song they could on purpose. And those ended up being Girl at the Rock Show and what's the other one? First Date. Yeah, First Date. Because I was like, I remember hearing First Date when it came out. And I'm like, this sounds like a six-year-old wrote it. <laughs> but he he wrote it like that on purpose. No, no. it's 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 literally... I'll show you how stupid of a song we can write. I mean, and then it's like, (laughs) nope, it ends up being huge. Best song on self-titled. I'm saying, here's your letter. What are you saying? Dude, it's here's your letter. That's the song. Yes, Dude, that song is incredible. Like, I don't know. The, the melody's great. Like the, um, the intro is awesome. That song is so dope. It's, it's, it's definitely, I think if you asked anybody in Anxious what's the best song on that record, I think literally all five of us would say, here's your letter. Well, you guys have good taste, and it sounds like we have a lot of similar tastes, and I think that's why I enjoy the music that you all create so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, uh, I can get along with uh, anybody who's, uh, who's willing to ride for the Untitled record. So let's talk about what we've got coming up. Now, mm-hmm. you've got a tour coming up with Knuckle Puck. And hot mulligan, yes, yeah, we got a we got a big one, big one coming up. Wow, yeah, it what uh, a tour. Uh, yeah, yeah, it starts. Um, it starts in wow, actually one one month, one month from today, it uh, it go it 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 starts. Um, and it's it's such a crazy tour. It's been locked in for forever. Um, give you that insider piece. It's that tour has been locked in for almost two years. So it's it's been crazy to finally get to announce it um it's wild it's um we're really excited for it um you know it's it's kind of our our big tour to like you know push the record so we're just excited to you know we totally realize that you know that's that's a tour where almost every single night no one's gonna have any idea who we are so um we're really excited to just get out there every night and you know be in front of a bunch of kids who probably have no idea who we are and you know be i don't know just just the same same thing we've been talking about this whole episode just you know unashamedly be this is us here's a bunch of songs off our new record <laughs> exactly well i think you're going to win a lot of people over i hope so i hope so i think you know i think um the new record has has a a lot of stuff in common with the sort of music that probably knuckle pucks fans and in hot mulligan and meet me at the altar fans, you know, would be into. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping that it, it all translates, you know? Yeah. You know, I actually got into knuckle puck last year because partly because of Tommy and partly because we had Ryan and Brian from one step closer on, and they were talking about knuckle puck. So I just uh, I got curious and I listened to them and I I like them a lot. No, they're they're great. I mean, it's um you know they're um they're a pop punk band, but you know it's it's um so distinctly like emo and it's I think it's I think it's harder than a lot of stuff. You know, it's it's harder than a lot of their contemporaries um, within their genre. It's um I don't know. I think there's if you're into heavier music or into like more emo music or or into just even more punk whatever that means you know or anything it's i actually think knuckle puck is is a, is a band that uh a lot of people could agree on or 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 appreciate at least 
Absolutely. I love them. So, folks, here's what we're going to do, okay? Now, listen up. We're going to pre-order Little Green House, which drops 121 on Run For Cover Records. Yes? Yes, sir. Yes. There's, they've, I'm sure they've got merch bundles and shirt and records and colored vinyl and all that stuff. Yes? Yeah, yeah. There's, um, I believe there's only one variant left. It's like the, viol- the violet variant. So go grab that one. So do that. And make sure you go to this tour, this upcoming tour with Knuckle Puck and Hot Mulligan. And of course, Anxious. Get there early. Get there on time to see Anxious. I mean, you're going to want to see these songs perform live, right? Yes? I do. I want to hear them live. I, I, I don't know. I don't know who I am in this situation. Am I the people wanting to see the band or am I in the band? I don't know. You're both. Okay. Okay. Then yes and yes. Yes. Grady, when you're not writing these soon-to-be classic songs and touring the United States, what do you like to do in your downtime? What do I like to do? Um... Um, I like to do a couple things. Um, uh, I do a newsletter about um, Connecticut hardcore. Um, and so I, I do that almost every month. Um, I did it for like 15 months straight and then I took a break and now I'm starting doing it again. Uh, so I like to I like to spend a lot of time thinking about old Connecticut hardcore bands. I like hanging out with my girlfriend a lot. I do a lot of that. Uh, um, I don't know. My dogs are pretty cool too cool hanging out with my dogs um yeah uh i was i was in um uh i've been a i've been a college student um until very very recently um uh, i i took a leave of absence this past year and i've just been touring but uh i will be back rocking classes come this fall but so so normally for the past couple years at least i've been doing a lot of class too what's your major when you're at college uh, I'm a I'm a history major currently. So do you want to go and get a master's or do you want to be like a teacher? Where do you want to go with it? Uh, my plan is to go to law school after that. Oh, phenomenal. I'm a law school dropout. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a boat, of, boat of confidence for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this is my only thing. I, I've had friends that uh, I had a good deal of friends that all went to law school. I make more money than most of them teaching math right now, um, with the sole exception of a person that went to a top 20 school. Um, they make, they make like three times what I make. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Shoot for like that UVA, UPenn, uh, Yale, Stanford, Pepperdine kind of, uh, mark. That's where the people are making the, that's when people are graduating and making that one, 180 graduating. But, uh, my second question was who does your artwork? Cause I am in love with it. <laughs> like, everything they do is just, is it a singular person or? No, no. Um, a bunch of different people do artwork, but I normally give the um the same uh, set of parameters or ideas um, just to make it cohesive. I, I I try to go for a bunch of different styles, but try to make it all very tonally cohesive. Yeah, a bunch of different people do it, but I almost always try to. I feed them the same ideas of yeah can it be very nature focused and have a lot of animals and just um i don't know i give i give the same set of parameters but thank you for saying that i'm glad i'm glad that it comes across in that way yeah no because it's totally cohesive i was looking at um on the run for cover site i was looking at the you can buy the bundle which is the lp and then uh, a tote bag and the tote bag looks like something my mother had in like the like mid 1980s and it has that yeah. very old 
style, like I just donated a PBS style feel. And then one of the other shirts is the man that's being constructed out of like uh, bricks, but it looks like his, his heart is missing. It's like it, everything about it is just really, really, it, it's just, it's fun, but it's also kind of like, there's some seriousness going along with the playfulness of it. And I, I really enjoy that you guys can walk that line. Well, th- thank you so much. I, I, re- I really appreciate you saying that. Here's another question, a burning question. Are you ready for this? Uh, I hope so. Let's see. You're 21 years old now, yes? Yes, I am. Are you still straight edge? Of course, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, dude, I'll be straight edge for forever. And I don't, and I don't, you know, I, I don't say that with like any like false, like emboldened, like notions of, of anything. I just, I don't know. I've, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've I've never had the desire to drink. Um, you know, even in high school, it's like very like radical, and it's like it's kind of the only social outlet that you see people doing, and it's like very grotesque almost in the like amount that people are drinking. But even as you like getting a little bit older, and even as kids get a little bit older, you know, it tones down. It's a bit more of a, like a social thing. You know, you might be out to dinner, kids are drinking beer, having wine, or anything like that. But even then, like it's like why even have it at that point so yeah no i will dude i, I yeah i will i'm yes 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 it's years old i am still strong. it's very refreshing to hear you say that because i too have been embraced a substance-free lifestyle in my older years i struggled for a long time throughout my youth with drinking and drugs and all that stuff so i don't know to hear someone your age and some of your friends that we've spoken to embracing this as well I think it's great. Well, thank thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. I I I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I I know you said that you talked to Ryan and Brian, uh, uh Ryan and BT from uh from OSC and I mean those dudes are definitely very very serious and passionate about that as well. So, um I feel very fortunate to have like a group of like young people that I hang out with that care about all of that. Yeah, I think it's awesome. So, props to you guys. And Grady, we just want to say thank you for taking the time to speak with us tonight. I think you and the band have a very bright future, and I can speak for Tommy and myself in saying that we're really looking forward to the record and to see where the band goes in the future. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I This was a ton of fun. Thank you so much for having me on. There you have it, folks. Grady Allen. Excellent conversation. Excellent band. It was good to hear about what's going on with Little Greenhouse, a record that we're looking forward to a lot this year. And it's interesting to hear the lasting influence of Blink-182 self-titled. You know, for, for younger generations now, don't get me wrong, I like the record a lot too, but I think that was a dividing album for a lot of fans. You know, some people wouldn't let them try to be more serious, or I guess some people checked out after that album. But I think for younger generations, they just see it as a great piece of music. I'll be honest with you. I have to go back and listen to it. I, I know that album. I mean, I, I Googled the cover when he said Untitled, and I was like, oh, okay, I know that one. I honestly don't, I'm not familiar with it. So I got to go back and revisit it. What was the one that you guys said is really good? The Letter for You? 
Here's your letter. Here's your letter. Okay. I'll have to go back and listen to it. Unbelievably good song. And the record is good, too. You cannot beat that three-album run of Enema, Take Off Your Pants, and Self-Titled. It's unbeatable in the world of pop punk. Yeah, I really don't know Blink-182 very well. Listen to those three records. I actually know I know Dude Ranch pretty well. That was the one I knew. Yeah. But I yeah. And, and then Anthony had um Cheshire Cat. Yeah. That was the one with the old drummer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to go and look. I'll have to honestly, that's what Spotify's for. I'm gonna go back, I'll put some of them on and kind of shuffle through them, but I'm gonna start with the uh letter for you. There you go. Or it's called Here's Your Letter, Tom. Here's, Here's your letter. Here's your letter. I'll never yes. get that right. Now, no, that, I, no, now you, that I've got it in my head wrong, it'll just be incorrect forever. You've gotten it wrong three times just now. Really? Three? I thought it was twice. All right. Yeah, it was twice. I added one for <laughs> dramatic effect for the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tommy, well, we've spoken to Grady Allen. We've heard all about what's coming up with Anxious. We've celebrated 100 episodes of the show. And do you know what we're going to do now to further drive home the celebration? Uh, No. It's probably your favorite segment in the whole show. Okay. That's right, folks. It's time for the Pop Culture Minute. And this is where myself and Tommy begrudgingly looks at the hot topics of the day. Who's in, who's out, what's going on, what's hot, what's not. Are you ready for this, Tommy? About as ready as I'm going to be, yeah. (laughs) All right, here we go. Number one, big news right now, Tommy. Bob Saget, dead. Yeah, I'm really bummed about that. I'm re- I, uh, If you ever have a moment and you're looking for some clips and you're like, oh, Bob Saget's that guy from America's Funny and Some Videos, go on YouTube and Google Paul Provenza's Green Room. Bob Saget was on an episode of that, and he was unbelievable. It's him and Roseanne, Patrice O'Neill, all talking about comedy with Paul Provenza. He is a genius. He was really funny. He's off the cuff hilarious. He's prepared hilarious. Huge loss for the comedy world. And uh, I wish the best. I know he has kids, so I wish the best for his family. Yeah, this is a surprising one. And Full House was a staple in our house growing up. And America's Funniest Home Videos, of course. Someone on Twitter said something that struck a chord with me. They said something to the effect of, kids don't know that YouTube used to happen once a week for half an hour, and we all had to watch it together, and it was America's Funniest Home Videos. (laughs) And I was like, wow, yeah. That's really, really accurate. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody watched that, and Full House was legendary. We watched that all the time. Even though it was, like, corny and cringe, we still watched it, you know? I didn't watch that show. I didn't watch Full House, but I definitely watched America's Funniest Home Videos. I also watched that knockoff one they did with Dave Coulier, which was called America's Funniest People. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Tawny Katane was on it for a minute. It was terrible. Well, rest in peace, Bob Saget. We don't know what happened yet. What do you think, Tommy? Drugs? I know he's had a a history with substance abuse, um, but... Uh, honestly, I, I don't even want to make a, a guess. I, I just, I hope for the best for his family because honestly, that's a 65 is not that old, man. No. 25 years from now, we'll both be 65. So, Oof. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Our condolences to the friends and family of Bob Saget. Next subject, Tommy, the Matrix Resurrections. Did you see it? No. Will you see it? 
Have you ever watched a Matrix movie? I've seen the first one. Okay. Do you like it? I thought it was really cool. Yeah. No, I liked it. Um, yeah, the first one I would put right up there with Terminator and Aliens and all of the classic sci-fi of the days. I'm so glad you said Aliens and not Alien. Alien I respect, but I gotta be honest, I grew up with Aliens first. Yeah. I think I'm erring on that side. I, I'm, I am on that side as well. It's a, it's, I think it's a superior film, but yeah, back to The Matrix. I, I don't know any of this stuff after the first one but i thought the first one was a really cool movie i love the special effects in it i love the idea behind it you know the philosophy that goes into making those things is kind of cool they really do like draw on things like you know plato's cave and that kind of stuff so really interesting concept uh but i i don't know what the new one's about i'm assuming science fiction stuff here's the deal i watched it all right i watched part one and i loved it I saw part two in the movie theater and hated it. I disliked it so much that I never saw part three. And I'm like, okay, part four is on HBO Max. Let's watch it. I watched it. I liked it, but I didn't understand what was going on about 80% of the time. Oh. Yeah, it started out good, and they flash back to stuff that happens in the original three movies, and I got very emotional, as I often do with these types of things. The more the movie progresses, the less sense the plot made. And it just made me yearn for the days of part one, which was easy to understand and groundbreaking and all of those other things. All of that aside, I did think it was an enjoyable watch. So I would recommend seeing it if you can watch it on HBO Max. Uh, I don't have HBO Max, so. Yeah, so you can probably skip that one, Tommy. That's a hard, that's a hard skip. I will <laughs> say this, in terms of pop culture... Kelly watched a movie she really liked, and I'm going to watch it with her because she said she wants to watch it with me. Uh, it's a new Ben Affleck movie, which usually means I'm not going to watch it. However, it seems to kind of be a cool story. It's called The Tender Bar. It's about a kid who ends up growing up and going to Yale and becoming a writer. But it's about how influential his uncle was in his life. I guess his father was kind of absentee. This sounds like something you would watch. Yeah, no, for sure. It's right up my alley. Yale, writing, no father. Yeah, dude, it it, it, t- it hits all the bases. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I typically don't care for Ben Affleck. I like him. I only liked, I've only liked him in a couple movies, and I really liked him, and there's a movie people always kind of like give me shit for watching, like they like it. They're like, oh, the movie's not that good. The Town? Yeah, it was okay. See, I like that movie a lot. I I just thought it was a really cool movie. I thought it was like, the concept was interesting. The idea that a whole bunch of these people that commit armed robberies are from the same fucking like <laughs> half a square mile of South Boston. Like I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and I, I think his performance was actually pretty good in that. I, I really, I, I liked that character. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. He's a, I have no problem with him. He's a good actor. He's a good director. No, no problems with Ben Affleck here. Okay, next topic. The Book of Boba Fett, a new Star Wars-based show on Disney+. Plus. Tommy, will you watch it? No, but I have Disney+. Plus. I can at least, I could possibly watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I don't like Star Wars. Oh, well then, then this is a pass for you. Yeah, I just, I get more satisfaction out of telling people I haven't seen any of the newer ones than actually those movies could actually provide in terms of seeing them. <laughs> there's way more satisfaction from that 
I watched The Mandalorian. I thought that was really good. I just don't need another one. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. Yeah. You still haven't even watched The Sopranos, have you? No, I don't have HBO. I think you need to watch The Sopranos. I think I do too, but I just don't know when I'm going to ever get around to it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I want to push you on this, but it would be like telling me I need to watch Boba Fett. It's just... It's, I'm just never going to do it. See, you got me. Um, you you got me with the, that one though. You told me to go watch it, and I was like, oh, I'm never going to watch that. It's like eight episodes long. It's too much. And then I ended up loving True Detective season one. Oh, I got you to watch that. Yes, you did. Oh wow! Because you me. Sa- you said to me we were talking about The Wire, and you were like, Oh, if you like The Wire, you should check out this other series. It's called True Detective. And I remember you're like, It's Woody Harrelson. <laughs> And Matthew McConaughey. And I immediately when you said those two names, I'm like, nope. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not watching that. Like but I, it was a really like that was awesome. So I, I take your recommendations as a, a high grade of like this is gonna be if Keith says it's good, this shit's good. Um Exactly. But Sopranos is really daunting because it's what is it, six seasons? Um yeah. Yeah, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. It's a lot. But it's great. Uh, We'll get there, Tommy. We'll get there. But last item on the pop culture minute, David Bowie, the estate of David Bowie, has sold his song catalog to Warner Music. Do you care? No. Me either. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's the pop culture minute. We've covered it all. We've said it all. We've done it all. That's not to say that I don't like David Bowie when you get hate mail. I'm like, how do you like no Dude, really? Like, okay. Right. Yeah, I just, I, I don't care. He's gone. His family can do, or his family, his estate, whoever his estate is, they can do whatever they want with it. Done. Yeah, exactly. They're making the decisions. You're not part of his family, you dork. Yeah. You, you own a Ziggy Stardust t-shirt? Stop. So how are you doing, Tommy? You as a human being? Uh, I'm really good. Um, nobody's sick. Girls are back in school full time. I'm still remote for the time being, uh, but everything's going really well. Uh, everybody's healthy. Uh, I really like being home like this. Yes, uh, for a couple different reasons. But my main new one is I love eating dinner really early. <laughs> like <laughs> the girls come home from school at like like four thirty, four forty five. I have dinner on the table at like five oh one. Like boom. Wow. Old people, let's go. Early bird special. Eat up. That is early. I just finished my dinner 20 minutes ago, and it's 10.22. You'd never survive in my household. No, no, no. I I eat lunch at like 4, or I skip lunch. I eat dinner at 9, 8, 9. I go to bed at midnight. It's crazy. It's crazy what I'm doing over here. You know what, though? It fits you, though, and it, it, it's what works for you. Like It's the same thing as like, you know, it, what works here because, you know, we got a bunch of kids under the age of 8. Well, I had a pretty raucous night on Saturday, Tommy. Do you want to hear about this? Absolutely. All right. So there's this streamer named Ben Jammins who does community Warzone matches. Like if you follow his channel, you can jump into a game with him and other people and play, right? Okay. So I jumped into a lobby and we're doing a big battle royale and I killed Ben Jammins live on his twitch all right so in the game when you get killed by somebody you spectate the person who killed you right so because i killed ben jammins he spectated me 
live on his Twitch. And for the rest of the game, he commentated on the game while watching me kill the remaining three players and clutch the game for the win. And Tommy, I tell you, I was so excited. I was, it was 1130 at night. I was screaming in my apartment, let's go. (laughs) And, you know, just the whole thing was the most exciting thing that's happened in a very long time. I was so stoked. I'm I'm stoked for you, dude. That sounds huge. It's like yeah. it's like you got up on stage with the Foo Fighters and started playing guitar, and you're like, nah, I'm gonna play guitar from now on. Yeah, it it was like that. It you was honestly fin- like that. You just finish out the set. All right, cool, peace. Like- yeah, and uh, you know, it it was a lot of fun. I like playing those custom games with people, and I you don't know this, Tommy, because you're not on Twitter. But I posted the video to Twitter, uh, but I'm gonna send it to you personally so you can see it as well. Oh, wonderful. Yes, yes. Send it to one of my Twitter accounts. Maybe I'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, folks, this has been a great 100th episode. We didn't want to do a lot of fanfare because we're a busy show. We've got a lot of guests lined up, a lot of great guests. We want to keep this thing rolling. We want to keep producing the great content. Uh, You know, we'll have an anniversary show where we can talk about ourselves more because we love doing that. But I just want to extend another heartfelt thank you to all of our guests and everyone who supports us and everyone who listens to us. We really, really appreciate it. We see you. We hear you. We love doing this thing. And Tommy, I want to extend a thank you to you for being you. I couldn't do the show without you. And I love, love, love that we get to do this every week. Me too. I like. There's times where uh, this show can get um, sometimes when we're recording two or three guests a week, with them, we're recording segment one and segment two. There's a lot of work that goes into it, especially on Keith's end. And then I, I think what people don't un- necessarily recognize is that, yeah, the show that you listen to is an hour and 45, two hours, 210, whatever. Like 10 to 15 hours of editing went into that. And then the mastering. Like there's a lot of work that goes along behind the scenes. And Keith, thank you so much for doing all that. I know that it is not easy. And you make it sound seamless and flawless. And Richie, you're amazing as well. Make sure all the levels are correct. Everybody sounds perfect. It sounds so great. And that's one of the things that consistently I come back to with just the podcast in general is we get good guests and we try to keep the quality, especially the audio quality, as high as we possibly can. So it sounds good while you're listening. Nothing's worse than listening to a podcast that sounds like it was recorded in a cereal box. It's terrible. <laughs> but Keith, thank you from the bottom of my heart for even extending this offer to me because you could have asked anybody. But here I, here I sit. Here you sit, Tommy. You were the only person. That's it. Just you. And who else would be so clueless about pop culture stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could find somebody. uh, You could just call my mother. It would be the same thing. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it, folks. We're back next week with a new episode and another new guest. And we look forward to seeing you again. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time. (laughs) 